We have been marching through our fall championship recaps, and we have reached the end. Our very last championship was football. And uh, I'm joined today by Lou Mazzacco, Assistant Executive Director in charge of the sport of football. Welcome, Lou. Thank you. And Jason West, our Director of Communications. Thank you for having me. Okay, so it was a long fall. A long, really good fall, and as always is the case, we finish it out at Faroe Field for our football championships this year, November 30th, December 1st and 2nd, and we're going to kind of go back through. We had seven championship games, and we're going to go through and talk a little bit about each of them. So, Lou, let's start with our eight-man championship on November 30th. So we had Archie playing Worth County. Really good competitive game. As eight-man games go, sometimes you have high scoring. But, you know, the evolution of the eight-man game in Missouri has gotten to where we have some very competitive games. They can be fast on the scoring, but this was a, a slugfest. They hammered it out against each other, some sustained drives. Also some quick scores, but really, really good football being played on Thursday night in a nice mist. (laughs) (laughs) If a mist can be nice, it was a nice mist. Jason, what do you have to tell us about the eight-man championship? Well, like Lou said, there were 48 points scored in the first half and then only 18 points in the second half. (laughs) So, you know, defensive adjustments there at halftime. But Archie wins its first state title for football in probably one of the longest stretches of championships, Archie won its first school state title in 1928 in boys track and field. They threw in a girls track and field in 83, and then this championship this year was their first football title. I'm sorry, there's an 04 baseball title too, but this was kind of the McIntyre Bowl, if you will. Briar McIntyre for Archie did just about everything. He had five rushes with a touchdown, He threw for another touchdown, had 225 yards rushing, also had four tackles and a pass breakup on defense. And then on the other side for Worth County, you had Grant McIntyre, no relation, different spelling, who had 133 yards receiving two touchdowns as well as three tackles on defense. So very competitive game, like Lou was saying, on both accounts, just offense, defense, just a a good high school football game. And certainly with our eight-man It's getting less concentrated, but it's a concentrated geographic area of our state where eight-man is prevalent, although, as I said, it's starting to spread. We get a lot of pressure in our office to change the way we run our state tournaments in order to, I guess, give the better teams a better chance at being at the final site. In some cases, sometimes we see games that are not as competitive in our championship as games earlier on in the rounds. But more often than not, we have great championship games and it it just so happens it works out and this year was one where our eight-man game was a great game you've got 18 points scored in the second half in an eight-man championship where both teams are used to really (laughs) a lot of points a lot of points i'm not certain if either team has ever seen a half with only 18 points and folks if you've never seen eight-man football maybe it doesn't make sense to you but eight-man football is a high-scoring game so just you know, I think a testament to the quality of these two teams and and even matchup to allow for that. So just to point that out, what you're saying, Archie averaged 70, almost 72 points a game and Worth County averaged almost 61 points a game. So to have a 40-26 final score really tells you a lot. Jason, was this the first eight-man championship champion south of I-70? I believe so, yeah. So well, 
shows also the expansion of the eight-man game because it has historically been centralized in the northwest part of the state but reaching now out east as well as the south to the Joplin area so really good quality football both teams played hard great fan bases that came down and supported them so one other thing I want to shout out to the MU facilities and field people for doing a nice job of keeping the field marked for the eight-man game it's a narrower field so that takes some effort on their part so okay let's shift to our six eleven man classes let's start with class one so class one marionville versus north platte another good game score might not indicate it but it was another hard-fought battle both sides uh, marionville jumped out to an early lead and, and held on controlled the game but north platte didn't give up and although it was a shutout North Platte kept driving the ball. Marionville sustained drives, but also had some big plays as well. So just a good quality game. Again, we had some weather on Friday, and so they were playing in a mist as well. So fun times out on Furrow Field. Jason, what do you have from Class 1? Well, just continuing on Lou's thought there as far as how the game progressed, you know, Marionville took the opening kickoff, went 60 yards in 14 plays controlled the first quarter so got up early but north platte was able to sustain drives they had an eight play drive a nine play drive that ended in an interception you know another drive with a fumble like a couple of that they went for it on fourth down after an eight play drive and didn't get it so while the score was 29 to zero it really was closer than that just a few mistakes here and there on north platte that allowed marionville to hold on final score how about Class 2, Lou? We're moving to Saturday. So we're just going to march right up the classification. So Class 2, really tremendous game. Right. Arguably, probably the closest game of the weekend had to go to overtime. And Lamar, third straight trip in a row the last two years, came up short. But this year, got it done. They battled back. Valley Catholic held a late lead. Lamar came back, tied it, and then in overtime scored on their first play and then was able to hold Valley. It was a very hard-fought game. I can't say enough about Coach Nager from Valley Catholic and Coach Bishore from Lamar. Both well-coached, well-behaved teams. You know, you saw it as they came together after the award ceremony to spend some time together in fellowship, but probably our tightest, toughest game of the weekend, and there were some hard hits on both sides. Jason? Yeah, this was one of the more historic matchups. You had Valley Catholic making their 20th trip. They had 15 titles in those 20 trips, which is the second most by any football playing school. And then you had Lamar making their 11th trip. This was their ninth title. Coach B. Shore, who played at Lamar and helped start that run that they had of, of six titles in a row or seven titles in a row, won a title in his first year and now in his fourth year. So Between the two teams combined, there was 850 yards of offense, which sounds like a significant number, but we may top that here in a few minutes. Uh, But Valley Catholic actually went up 21-0 early in the second quarter, and then that's when Lamar started just chipping away, chipping away. Finally tied the score with six minutes left in the fourth on a 91-yard pass from uh, Alex Wilkerson to Chase Query. That, outside of the the significance of tying the championship game, was also the longest pass in Show Me Bowl history. Oddly enough, breaking the record of 74 yards, which was set in 2020 by Lamar. (laughs) 
<laughs> to win that championship okay. on on a halfback pass by Coach Bishore's younger brother. But that's another story. All right. Anything more in Class 2? Probably individually wise, uh, Alex Wilkerson had 135 yards rushing for Lamar to go along with 217 yards passing. He also punted and had uh, four tackles and an interception on defense. On the opposite side for Valley Catholic, Grant Fowler, quarterback, 264 yards passing, 68 yards rushing, also the punter, scored four of their touchdowns, and then also had six tackles and a, a tackle for loss on defense. So the quarterbacks were very busy in this game. Apparently. We're going to jump to Class 3. That means we're going back to Friday, first game of the day, which may have set a record for how long it was. It was just clock time. It was a long football game. Heck of a game. Central Park Hills first appearance, battling Seneca, and Jason's going to be able to speak to this in greater detail, but truly a difference between two halves. Central Park Hills, solid, solid team coming in. Seneca had to make some adjustments, but heck of a game again with Central Park Hills coming out on top. I will defer to Jason. He'll be able to provide some of those details. Yeah, two hours and 59 minutes. Yeah, that's yeah. that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking, and, yes. And there's no TV timeouts in that. That's all <laughs> That's all playing football. But, yeah, as you said, Central ran out to a 26 to nothing lead about midway through the second quarter, and I, I think that really shocked Seneca. They had been a, a very physical, run-oriented team all year long, and you know, very few people had even reached the 20-point plateau on their defense, and now they've already given up 26. And so they scored right before halftime, 26-6 to six at, at half, and then came out in the second half and was a very back-and-forth game. Couldn't get too many stops there, but final score 48-34 to 34 in favor of Central. Like we said, that was their first trip, first football title, only their third title in school history. For Seneca, that was their eighth trip. They had two previous titles back in the mid-90s under Tom Hodge. But we just spoke about how many yards, 850 total yards for both teams. That That's a lot. In this game, there was 1,070 yards Jeez. combined offense. So that's the most by both teams. Central had 629 of those yards. That's the second most of any squad. Individually, Cason Murphy, quarterback, had 431 yards rushing. That's the second most in Show Me Bowl history. His 48 passing attempts is the most. His 483 yards of total offense, because he also had 53 rushing. So that was the most total offense. And then his 33 completions is the second most. Also, Joe Bryant, receiver, had 12 receptions on the day. That was the third most in Show Me Bowl. And then on defense, he also had eight tackles with a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. So he was a, a busy young man. Also want to shout out Jackson Jones on defense, linebacker for Central, had 16 tackles Jeez. on the day. So all over the place. That's Central. Now switching over to Seneca, Jackson Mars had 146 all-purpose yards. Ethan Altick also had 143 all-purpose with eight tackles on defense. And then Caden Klaus out on the wing had 10 tackles, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery along with a pass breakup at the cornerback position. This game was our very first 11-man game, as I said, and really set a great tone for good crowds. It was a great game. There, I mean, yeah. as, as we've talked about, over a 1,000 yards for each team, and as we mentioned, it was long, but we had good crowds, and really that was the, kind of the theme. You know, our eight-man crowd Thursday night was 
actually good for an eight-man game. And when I say for an eight-man game, you have to be a small school to play eight-man. So we're talking about very small schools and very small communities. There aren't that many people to bring. So yes, our eight-man crowds are usually less, but we started out strong with our class three games. So really all schools brought great crowds, but you could kind of see the tone set with the Central Park Hills Seneca game. One more record. Central had 31 first downs in the game, which is the most. And Seneca had 22, which isn't too bad, but 31 is the most in Show Me Bowl history. They did a lot of stuff in that <laughs> in that two hours and 59 minutes. Yeah. And somebody came out as the state champion, but both teams played quite well. So, okay, let's move on to Class 4. We're going back to Saturday, first game of the day on our last day, which was Saturday. Lou, tell us what happened. Well, Again, a great game. Score may not reflect it, but the Hillsborough and Kearney teams were out there knocking each other around. I mean, they were hitting hard, but just some hard hits. Hillsborough first appearance in the state championships for them. They've been doing a lot of that over the last couple of years. But Kearney returned to the state championships after a hiatus of a couple of years, and they were hungry, and they came out, and they got themselves a state championship. Jason? This was one that, like we said, was very competitive. 996 total yards of offense, 508 for Kearney, 488 in Hillsboro. Wow. So when you look at that, you don't expect a final score of 68 to 28. Right. (laughs) But this was one that was back and forth and just kind of escalated quickly. Carney would get some turnovers and had a short field and, and was able to score quickly rather than having to sustain a drive. But Carney scored out of 12 total drives. They had the ball. Now that's including one that ended the first half where they got a fumble with five seconds left, took a knee. Then that also included one at the very end of the game where they were just running out the clock and they turned it over on down. So 12 total drives, they scored on 10 of them. So they went 10 for 10. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they played about as perfect of a, a high school football game as, as a team could have. The 68 points was the second most in Show Me Bowl history. Lamar had 69 a few years ago, beating Blair Oaks. Carney could have topped it. They missed an extra point early and then went for two later trying to chase those points. So they, they probably could have gotten 70, but ended up with 68 second most there. One interesting fact, they had 279 yards rushing, but no 100-yard rushers. It was definitely rushing by committee on that one. Manny Lithicum had 117 yards total offense and three touchdowns was kind of the, if you say that's the highlight for Carney, they, they did score 68 points, but it shows how much of a team effort it was when that's the top mark. For Hillsboro, as we said, it was their first trip to the Show Me Bowl. They did have a wrestling title last year. Preston Brown had 89 yards rushing with a TD, as well as 260 yards passing with two TDs for Hillsborough. This is where I'm going to interject, because as I think back on the weekend, it was during this game that I was cold and a little wet. There were some games that were a little more wet. We actually saw the sun a little bit Friday afternoon. And it has been suggested that I might have some responsibility for that because of all my bragging on this podcast and to our board of directors on the weather this fall. And I'll take some of that. However, I just want to point out how much worse it could have been. Okay, we could have had snow, sleet, it could have been colder, it was cold but wasn't cold. So I just, the weather for the uh, Kearney-Hillsboro game was not terrible, but it also was not wonderful. So I just, I'm just going to 
throw that out that yes, our cap to the fall season was not as pleasant as many of our other outdoor championships. So, Lou? Well, I just would say that uh, going into the week, people were constantly asking me, so what's the weather going to be like? What's the weather going to be like? And I have to tell them, um, I'm the one sport that really doesn't concern itself because unless there's lightning out there, we throw on the pads and we get on the field. And so it could have been a lot worse. I I have been at a state championship where they've plowed the snow off the field beforehand. Many of you may have watched, if you're listening to the state of Missouri, you may have watched the Kansas State football game. That was the previous weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, and the amount of snow, that football game. The Kansas high school championships were at the same time, and I got to see several pictures from my counterpart in Kansas of very, very snowy conditions in Kansas State championship football. Although he did say, and I had the same thought watching the Kansas State game, those kids are having so much fun but it's not so fun for the people trying to run it so (laughs) the producer we had for our broadcast was also producing a couple of the kansas high school games the previous weekend so he was very thankful for the weather we had yes okay let's shift back to friday night the nightcap on friday was class five lou help us with the class five result so class five we had cardinal ritter against republic republic's first appearance i believe in a state football championship game And a a solid, solid senior-laden team with just fundamentally sound. And they came out, and they were just, they drove the ball. Sustained drives, hard, you know, hard-hitting. Cardinal Ritter, hard-hitting also. They had a little bit more of an explosive offense, and they would score quickly. Republic is a very methodical, very fundamentally sound team in that regard, and it was a heck of a game all night long, but Cardinal Ritter ends up pulling it out and winning the game. Jason? Yeah, to lose point, Cardinal Ritter comes out on the first drive of the game, takes the opening kickoff, goes 55 yards on four plays, and scores on a 49-yard touchdown pass and goes up 8-0. Flip side a little bit later in the second quarter, Republic gets their first score to make it eight to seven on a 15 play, 54 yard drive that took nine minutes. So, an interesting kind of an anomaly here. Republic actually outgained Cardinal Ritter 363 yards to 324, but it was that explosive nature of Ritter that had the Lions on top 38 25 at the end. Really, again, when we talk about great crowds, The winner on the weekend was Republic. They brought a tremendous crowd, and they were there early. (laughs) And just obviously, as Lou said, first trip to the finals, and they had tremendous community support. Yes. And to their spirit, not giving up the whole game, they actually scored on a 31-yard pass play on the last play of the game. So that was the effort from both teams all the way through. Yes. Let's move on to the last game of the weekend, Class 6, Saturday night. Lou, tell us what happened. So in the Class 6 game, we had Liberty North facing CBC. This is the third year in a row that Liberty North and CBC have faced each other in the playoffs. Two years ago in the championship game, last year in a semifinal, and then this year in the championship game again. And Liberty North came out on top, getting their first state football championship. Both teams came out to play, and I will say Liberty North has a couple of guys on defense who they are men when it comes to (laughs) being on the football field and we saw a lot of great football players this weekend on every team 
But there were a couple of guys on their team who they, they, when we coach them, we teach them to run through a tackle. They were running through the tackle. And so Liberty North comes out with a solid win. Okay. Jason, what do you have on Class 6? This was actually a comeback, come from behind victory for Liberty North. Uh, (laughs) CBC scored on their first possession to take an early 7-0 lead with about five minutes left in the first quarter. But then uh, Liberty North answered on their next possession and really kind of uh, took control of the game from there, leading up to a, a 38-7 to victory. Like we said, it was their first title, second trip. CBC, a little bit more seasoned. They've been to the Show Me Bowl nine times since 2006, winning five titles. But it really was Liberty North. I mean, they held CBC to 191 yards of offense. The cadets were averaging 430 yards per game coming into the game. Micah Joe Barnett had 120 yards rushing with two TDs, including late 30-yard run that really squashed any momentum that uh, CBC was even trying to put together. Probably the big stat, there's two. Cole Young had a 40-yard interception return for a touchdown. That is not the Cole Young that maybe a lot of listeners know as the sports reporter for Preps KC and the KC Star. This young man is actually a high school student, so shout out to the younger Cole Young. The big highlight of the game, Blue Renfro hit a 52-yard field goal to end the third quarter, and that's the longest made field goal in Show Me Bowl history. Okay. We're going to be honest here. This game was terminated early. We had a little over three minutes to go, and there was much media coverage. And and if you're listening to this, you may or may not know it was certainly covered probably extensively in in St. Louis and Kansas City, where these two teams are the areas in which those two teams were. I think, Jason, you talked to some, some media, but there's certainly probably some holes filled in by journalists understandably you may not again you may not have known anything about this but we had a situation at the end of the game we can't speculate about what was happening but we do know that things among high school boys some of them rather close to men as you said lou things were getting a little emotional on the field we were starting to see some ejections some unsportsmanlike calls and at one point there was a i'll call it a scuffle on the field there was an ejection as a result and as a result of that ejection, coaches called Lou, you, and Kenny Seifert, our coordinator of football officials, out to the field. And Lou, you can speak a little bit to it. We just want to clear up, at least for a few thousand people that listen to this podcast, so you can hear what actually happened. So as you said, things were getting a little bit emotional. We had had an ejection a little bit earlier, and then another ejection right at about the 315-320 mark. Things seem to be getting a little bit more agitated. Kenny Seifert, director of football officials, and I entered the field. When we got up to the crew, the official said that the CBC coach had indicated he thought it would be best if they not continue. Kenny and I confirmed that with the CBC coach that he felt like he was having a difficult time. As you said, young teenage men, sometimes emotionally, they are not the best at controlling it sometimes. And so I went across, had the conversation with the Liberty North coach. The Liberty North coach was in agreement. He agreed that the game was getting to the point where we didn't need to see anything more. We didn't need to see any more ejections. And he was willing to end the game as well. So officially, With both coaches in agreement, I, as the administrator, terminated the game. Because of that, I also made the decision not to have a handshake. There was no reason to have further interaction where somebody might lose control inappropriately. And so I decided to cancel the handshake. 
I was able to inform the Liberty North coach of all that information, so he took his team to address them. At the same time, CBC was already kind of getting ready for the handshake line, and as I came across the field, Coach Pingle from CBC was able to see me, and I was able to give him a signal that we weren't going to do the handshake, which he understood, and we got both teams lined up on the numbers to keep a little bit of space. We had trophy presentations and wrapped up the games, and I, and I will say, although the game ended early, I believe both coaches acted in the best interest for their kids in agreeing to terminate the game early. Yeah, I've had people say, so what are the repercussions for pulling your team? Nobody pulled their team. We had two coaches who agreed on that the best course of action was to terminate the game. By rule, we can. And quite honestly, from that point on, we had really respectful, peaceful end. I'm not certain where it would have gone. I think both coaches were wise in their assessment of what's happened. And I would also say that the players, if they met on the street right now, would probably be just fine. But in the moment, there was certainly an energy that we needed to squash. And we don't take a ton of credit for that. The coaches who know their kids and are right there and are reading the situation, let's do what's best for this group of kids and end this peacefully. And that's what we did. It was a great weekend of football. You know, would have liked to have ended it without that. But overall, great weekend of football. Very competitive games for the most part. And just for me, as a defensive-minded football person, some hard hitting, and that's what you love to see. Well, it definitely was a good weekend, and it was a nice way to wrap up our fall. Jason, do you have any final thoughts? Just one uh, quirky stat that stood out to me in looking at all the games. So for the seven games, we had a total number of 26 punts, which seems a little low to begin with, but 10 of them were in that Class 6 game. (laughs) So of the 26 over seven games, 10 of them happened in one game. But uh, that was just something that, that really stood out to me outside of the other record-setting performances. Okay. Well, thanks to both of you. I haven't done this, but I'll remind everyone that you can watch all of these games on Misha.tv. They will be there in perpetuity. After this year, we turn them into classics. Yeah, beginning July 1, they will be free to watch as many times as you'd like. If you purchased the uh, access to any of the championships you can watch it as much as you'd like if you haven't purchased the access yet then you still will up until july 1 okay thank you to lou mazako and jason west this is dr jennifer ruckstad executive director of the missouri state high school activities association this is dr jennifer ruckstad the executive director of the missouri state high school activities association thank you for listening to the misha all access podcast and having an interest in Missouri high school activities and athletics. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Misha All Access podcast or any of the episodes in this podcast, please consider subscribing or liking with your favorite podcast provider. It helps other people find us, and we really appreciate you listening and supporting the Missouri State High School Activities Association.